Hello and welcome to Whispers Through the Veil. Uh, we are a paranormal podcast about all things spooky and creepy. I'm your host Jordan and with me as always is my beautiful co-host. Hi, I'm Paige. I'm a teacher and a writer and a paranormal enthusiast and a witch. And today we're really excited because we have a co-host today and I will let them introduce themselves. Hey, thanks for having me. My name is Andrew and I'm a writer and I'm also a paranormal enthusiast. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. We're always happy to have you. Uh, We have a pretty cool topic for you tonight. We are discussing aliens and alien conspiracy theories. I am going to be sharing with you the story of the aerial school and I believe Paige is going to talk about UFO disclosure uh, advocate uh, Stephen Greer, and Andrew is going to talk with you about Philip Schneider, who was a geologist for the government and was also pretty big in the uh, alien disclosure scene. So without further ado, let's get into it. The aerial school incident was something that happened in September of 1994 in rural Rua, Zimbabwe. Uh, 62 kids saw a UFO and aliens while they were at school. That's, that's pretty frightening. Absolutely. So the kids were all outside playing on a recess and every single teacher at the school was in a meeting. So none of the adults were out there. As like a teacher, I can tell you that's kind of insane. (laughs) Um, The fact that like, there were no adults out there, but it was, what year did you say it was? 1994. Okay. I guess different time, different place. I personally find that to be (laughs) hilarious that there were no adults with 62 kids unattended. But anyway, I digress. Proceed. Yeah, you're not wrong. The kids saw a UFO they they described it as like a silvery disc land in a bush or uh, just on top of a hill. And they said that uh, several aliens got out. And the way that they described them was like the typical style of aliens that you see, like grays and stuff with the uh, the big bulbous eyes and the large heads. But what's interesting about this is like they it wasn't part of like the cultural zeitgeist like it is today. You didn't have images of aliens on every corner and stuff like this is, this is rules Zimbabwe. Okay. So are you sure that these kids didn't just make this up? Like this. Okay. There it, it's the nineties, right? Like you would think that they would have seen UFOs or aliens of some kind before, like logically speaking, I mean, I'm the, I want to believe in aliens just as much as anybody else, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, it just it just sounds like something from that movie Signs, like you know, um, like a scene. I, I think it was like a big television broadcast of like the, of people across the world like seeing the aliens. Like, is is do you think it's akin to that somehow? Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, to your point, Andrew, it did become kind of a big thing, but, uh, at the time it wasn't. And what, uh, what I'm saying was that like, it wasn't as culturally like, uh, prevalent as it is today. You know, you didn't like, like I said, there, there's so much media and TV shows with aliens. It's all over. People talk about Roswell but these ki- these were like young children in rural Zimbabwe. You know, we didn't have the internet. They didn't have um, like a lot of these TV shows and stuff with like aliens in it. And they still described them like that. I guess it's, I guess it makes sense that um, it, it's hard to apply a nineties context when I, I never lived in that era. Um, you know, like you said, the internet is, definitely prevalent nowadays and um i i just can't imagine what it would would it be like without the awareness of like i guess aliens that we have now yeah for everyone listening uh Paige and i are older than dirt and uh <laughs> andrew is a young fresh 21 
and 22, 22, 22, I apologize. Almost 23, okay. Not beaten down by the world. <laughs> um, no context for the 90s. <laughs> I'm I'm still fresh, you know. I'm st- I still got childlike wonder in me. Okay, like I can't help it. Hang on to it as long as you can, bud. But uh, getting back to it, these kids like they reported like a lot of the things that the aliens did. They claimed that the aliens spoke to them telepathically, and they gave them uh. I, I don't remember the exact wording, but they were telling them that the planet needs to be better taken care of or it would be the end of things, you know? That makes a lot of sense. Uh, they, they, that, that's a very good message to give to young Zimbabwean children. Yeah, and it's also kind of a common message, again, from aliens. Like People say that they talk to them about these kind of things when they're spoken to. Well, the, we, the thing about that that's interesting, and we're going to get into this later, but the guy that I'm going to talk about believes very strongly that um, people who contact and talk to aliens often have stories about them saying those similar things. So there's at least some corroboration with his information and the information the kids have given in this case. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, the way that some of these kids describe the aliens, though, is interesting because they were describing, like, their movements in a weird way. They were saying, um, like, it would be running in one direction, then it got to the end of a line, then it would just kind of appear back where it started and do it again, kind of like it's an animation in a loop, you know? That is weird and really freaky, and that's it's almost like a proof that it's totally inhuman or maybe it's phasing any out of reality in some way. I, I always like, I always get the sense from things like this when people describe it, their experience with like seeing, you know, UFOs and interacting with aliens that they, they always try to apply human context, like an earthly context to it. And yeah, you can't do that. I, yeah, I just, I, it's, it always makes it sound like not, I don't want to say cartoonish, but it's, it's um, unreality in realities. Like, uh, I don't know. It's just, I, I couldn't imagine seeing that myself. Uh, me either. But it, it's like when you get them acting like this, it's a different reality than their own. Like I heard it described one time, if you're thinking about it, like let's say you're out in your yard uh, mowing the lawn and a bird lands on a tree and is watching you. The bird can see that you're there. It can see what you're doing. It knows that you're doing something, but it doesn't know how it works or what you're doing it for. So, you, you know, if you're seeing something that is out of the normal for us, then you, you don't really have much context for it. Now, the thing with them like being repeating and uh, moving like that, and they said that they would kind of glide if any of the listeners, I know you guys know, but if any of the listeners know the story of the Hopskinville goblins, they were reported to do a lot of the same things and move and act in the same way. And uh, not to like get into it too much right now, we might discuss that like on a later episode, but it's it's definitely something interesting to look into if you want. Yeah, further proof that whatever they're seeing is not human. And if you look at something like that and it moves like that, it's pretty, I don't know. The fact that there are like 62 children that have done it is, is, or that have seen it, the same thing is pretty compelling to me about this case. Like when you first told me about it, I was like, nah, but then like when I heard about it, it was, um, it was eerie. Like there was a whole documentary on it, right? Like where they interviewed the people that were there years later. Uh, yeah, we, we will get to that, but, um, that, that's kind of one of the things I like about this, this case or this incident is there's so much documentation behind it and it, it was big in the media and they had people study it. So like they, they went and told the headmaster of the school after it happened because they said it lasted approximately 15 minutes. Um, 
And of course, the headmaster didn't believe him, but they all went home and told uh, their parents and everything. The parents uh, were pretty freaked out, and the the school had a big meeting about it. And the headmaster actually had all of the students draw uh, what they had seen, and they were all uh, similar. You know, they they all drew like similar crafts, and some of them even had like the the uh, uh, alien standing beside it. That's that's just high strangeness at its finest. Like exactly. uh, it's it's very hard to cover up things when lots of people see them. Um, so I imagine if uh, I don't know if it was anywhere, uh, perhaps they they chose the school because they knew that a lot of people would be there. I mean, um, I, I'm not too familiar with cases like this. Um, I, I, what do you think, Jordan? Well, it could be uh, because like. Uh, for two days before the incident, like this, this area of Zimbabwe was having kind of, uh, I don't know, like a UFO flap. I guess flap is what it's called. There, there was a whole bunch of sightings of UFOs seen in the area by multiple people and like hovering in the sky. So, I mean, that's kind of a good point. Uh, they could have been like, like when you're saying that they chose this because they knew there would be a lot of people there. And, and also because as children, I think, so that they would be uh, more open to it to and believe it, you know, because children are just kind of like that. But uh, there was also like a ball of fire seen in the sky um, by a lot of people. So they... After the meeting with the parents, there was a lot of concern about it, and they brought in um, a local UFO researcher, and she interviewed all the children. Her name is uh, Cynthia Hind, and she interviewed all the children the day after uh, the event. And what she found curious was that all of the students, they had uh, diverse backgrounds through all though they're all from wealthy families because it was like an expensive private school, but they had different kinds of backgrounds coming from like different parts of the country. And uh, they all described similar features to the figures and the UFO. Now, despite interpreting the phenomena in like wildly different ways uh, based on their upbringing, but from a psychological standpoint, uh, that actually adds credence to the sighting because they say one of the things she noticed is that when she interviewed them the the kids would have like variations on the information that they were telling and so when you have a bunch of people who are getting together to make up a story they make sure that they have the right you know they have their story straight and everything everybody agrees on what they saw and all that but if you have a bunch of people just see an event or something if you had, you know, 10 people see something happen on the street, they're going to describe it in 10 different ways. And that's kind of what happened with this. So comparing the drawings that they all did, like they're all pretty much the same. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty similar. Okay, so uh, because it's all kids, I would be more inclined, I think, to believe that than I would a bunch of adults because, like, little kids can get together, but, like, very rarely do they have that kind of coordination to lie in such unison. And weren't they, like, interviewed separately about it? Yeah, she interviewed... Uh, she interviewed the kids in groups of like four to six, I think. And then we had a separate interviewer come in later who interviewed all of them uh, one by one. That's, yeah, that's that's extremely, uh, I guess, realistic is the word. Um, it's It's hard to lie about something like that. Yeah, so the kids have their own interpretations of what they were seeing. Uh, some of them thought that they were, uh, and I'm not, just again, disclaimer from the last episode, I'm not going to say this correctly, but they thought that they were Zivi Quambo, which is like, uh, kind of like a trip, 
trickster spirits. They're spirits of humans uh, raised from the dead by magic or like Tokelisho, which are kind of like goblin goblin creatures. And uh, a lot of the kids believed that um, that they might have been some of this. Uh, so I mentioned that there was a separate researcher that came. Uh, we had three months later, we had a man named John Mack, and he was a professor of psychology at Harvard. He came uh, he came from America to interview the kids. Now, John Mack was in the process of being investigated by his school, because, and he was ridiculed by his peers because... He had given credence to the idea that people who had UFO close encounters might have experienced something. Now, he's not saying that they were 100% true and aliens were real. He was saying, like, they believed what they were saying. And all of his peers uh, said he was, like, crazy for that. But um, he came and interviewed all of the kids separately. And he came to a lot of the same conclusions that Mindy Hind had. Uh, that, you know, that they had definitely experienced something. And he asked them a lot of questions, and it was three months later, and their stories still held up. Now, there's a, there's, he went on, he went on to talk about this, like on talk shows and news all over the world. Um, And this is like why, why this case is so like wildly known, is because he just talked about and advocated for it. Because he came to the conclusion that the kids definitely, at at the very least, believed what they were saying and experienced something. Uh, There's actually a documentary we watched about this. Uh, Paige mentioned it, and it's called The Aerial Phenomenon. And uh, if you want to watch it, I believe you have to watch it on their website. It's not on like a streaming platform. You have to rent it. But I'd say it's worth a watch if you're interested in the story because... Um, they, they contacted some, you know, some of the children, I'd say there was probably like 10 or 15 people and some of them gave interviews and like a handful of them went back and they discussed, uh, some of the things that had happened to them. Yeah. And what was wild about that whole situation was the fact that it was like 20 years later and they remembered. Yeah. Some of these people were just. Some of these people were just terrified. Like you can see it in their faces, and like some of them, it like one woman on there, it ruined her life. A few of them refused to talk about it. Like they would try to get people um, onto the show, and they would just straight up refuse to talk about it anymore. A lot of them wouldn't talk about it when they were little either, and they wouldn't talk about it until they were way older. And they bonded very deeply over this um, incident. Even though it didn't sound like it was malicious on the behalf of the ETs, yeah, but it was very like traumatic for these kids because they couldn't reconcile what they knew with what they were seeing and what they were experiencing. Because a lot of the kids talk about feelings that they were given, like feelings that were implanted inside them, not like not just like thoughts, really, but like feelings and that was so weird to them i remember one girl saying i felt sad i felt i felt sorrow for what we were doing for the planet like it was very specifically clear like sadness for what was happening to the environment specifically that yeah um it's just it's very interesting to see because the documentary covers like a lot of the interviews and you'll see some of the news footage and like it shows some of the drawings that the children made. But uh, like I said, the biggest thing for me on there is whether or not you believe they saw aliens, something happened because these people are terrified. They really are. I, I think uh, it would be interesting to see, uh, to hear what people think happen instead of aliens if um you know i i don't know maybe it's 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 just a tough explanation yeah i don't i don't know if there's a lot of theories of what it might be besides aliens like of course a lot of people believe that they made it up but i think the 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 both of the psychologists and researchers point that they didn't make it up that uh 
whatever it may have been, but some of the UFO sightings, I know at least the one that was a ball of fire seen in the sky, that was that came out to be reported that there was uh, so, some sort of satellite re-entering the, the atmosphere at that point. But other than that, like, they don't really have answers for this stuff. Well, that kind of brings me to my topic, unless you have more that you want to say. No, I think I'm good. Uh, that That's it for the aerial school incident. Paige, uh, what you got for us? Well, um, my topic's about Dr. Stephen Greer, who would say that this could possibly be the government doing a fake abduction kind of thing. The false flag? Kind of, yeah. So let me back up. Dr. Stephen Greer was, um, he doesn't get the doctor from anything related to aerospace he was actually an emergency room doctor in the late 80s early 90s um he saw his first ufo in 1990 and he started this um non-profit called csci which is the like center for extraterrestrial investigations and um, he also invented this thing called ce5 which is close encounters of the fifth kind which is humans being able to actually summon, psychically summon UFOs. How do they do that? Meditation, man. Meditation, <laughs> which is kind of wild. Um, <laughs> Dr. Stephen Greer talks about how he, um, he has a bunch of shows. Unacknowledged is one of them on Netflix, or not Netflix, on Amazon. Sirius is another one. Like, you can watch his documentaries if you want to know more, but like, he claims that aliens are not inherently bad. Like if they wanted to hurt us, they would have hurt us by now. He claims that the government is purposefully using the um, aliens to turn us against them specifically so that they can plan a false flag operation in case they want um like if if the, if we're on the verge of World War Three, like everybody thinks that we are, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise if aliens attack, you know, to unify everybody. Um, and and Greer claims that we have alien technology we've been copying to deploy this false flag stuff. Um, he also claims that he debriefed a lot of FBI and CIA agents on this. And he also started the Disclosure Project in two thousand one, where he had over twenty. Um, retired U.S. Air Force, FAA, and other intelligence personnel that went to a conference and actually talked about their experiences with aliens um, at the time. I, I know that's a lot of information, but... No, it, it's okay. Um, you know, that's what we're here for, is, like, hearing all the information and stuff. Now, I'm glad that you said that, like, he actually has... He's a doctor for a medical degree, because I was thinking he's a doctor like Dr. Pepper's a doctor. <laughs> at first how uh how did he go from forgive me if i missed it but how did he go from becoming an er doctor to becoming uh, a crackpot ufo guy i believe the term is ufologist yeah sorry um but he became a ufologist after he saw his first ufo in 1990 and he retired from being um, an ER doctor in 1998 to pursue ufology on his own for like a full-time career. The CE5 stuff really started to take off. This idea that you can meditate and summon aliens. I'll get to that in a minute. But um, his nonprofit was really popular. And he just kind of got a big following from the Disclosure Project itself. Like nothing like that had been done before where so many people from the intelligence sector um, of the government came forward and credibly disclosed what they knew and what they witnessed and what they saw and had evidence, like documents and things like that. Um, and that was a huge thing back then. Government intelligence sector. That's an oxymoron, huh? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody? Good one. Like Good one. I don't know. <laughs> But Stephen Greer, like, he, I don't know, like, he says a lot of things that made sense to me in that, like, he talks about 
the false flag operation. He talks about aliens' intentions being pure. He talks about, um, you know, his ability to summon aliens with psychic powers or through meditation. He claims to be able to do this. There, there are, there are um, videos of him doing this. However, like there are also reports that he has done this. He has faked these because he charges like an exorbitant amount of money to go to one of these conferences. He charges like 800 bucks a ticket. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, And we almost went, but we didn't. Yeah. I'm honestly kind of glad that we didn't. Um, That just seems like a little much to me. And especially when you get people like, isn't one of the things he famously said is like, now these definitely are not flares dropped from a helicopter. So don't even try to think that. Yeah, there's totally a video of him out there where he's doing the CE5 technique with a group of people in the desert. And, like, people, you they look like flares in the sky. And he's like, these definitely aren't flares. And he says that because he was accused in North Carolina of having a plane who was owned by, which was owned by one of his friends, who was, like, part of the this, this sea this study or whatever organization. Um, fly the plane and drop the uh, drop air airplane flares to make it look like they were summoning aliens. So I don't know how credible that is, but if that's not credible, then like I don't know how much I can believe the other stuff he's saying about like here's what I know about aliens and here's what I know about false flag operations. Although I would believe that. I, that's that's very interesting. Um, in, in relation to, to to the topic I'm going to speak about, um, Philip Schneider was also um, he also peppered in some weird shit in there that probably wasn't um, probably isn't as credible as some of his other things. It it almost reminds me of like a like a psyop, perhaps when um you know certain information is like uh, is you know in this context the PSYOP would be, you know, real information about aliens being um, mixed in with very, you know, uh, extravagant ideas, perhaps to discredit the real ones, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Philip Schneider, like we, we could talk about it a little bit more when we get there, but to me, that dude isn't just peppering in. Um, <laughs> that dude is not just peppering in uncredible, irrelevant nonsense like that. It's a whole plate full of pepper that is just, oh man, but I'm not saying he's lying or making it up, but it is really hard to listen to this guy. <laughs> Jordan is the president of the anti-Philip Schneider club, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, founding member, treasurer, take the minutes, proud of it. No, honestly though, like that's all I really have to say about Greer. We can pivot to Schneider, but like I watched those Schneider videos with you and I was fucking convinced, like, that dude had me convinced, and it was like the Hank Hill thing. Like, you were talking about his credibility. Like, what was he saying? He was like, he, he, was, he sounded like an he, old grandpa. He basically, um, he'll just, he'll, you know, the thing about Philip Schneider is that he is such a realistic character, but he says the most un, uh, supposedly unrealistic things. Like, uh, you know, he started using terms like, um, he didn't know me from Adam or, um, you know, just just you bet your bottom dollar. Bet your bottom good. dollar. He didn't. He didn't want to curse. He said BS. You know, he he refused to curse. He was um, I, I guess we could. I guess I could just start talking about Philip Schneider yeah, now. Yeah, yeah Um. So Philip Schneider was uh a, supposedly um a government geologist who worked in the um underground black ops essentially. Um. He. A broad overview of a very messily told story. Um, there's a recording on um, on YouTube and like several other websites of this uh, this convention called the '96 uh, Preparedness Expo. And um, this particular VHS recording was titled "Secret Underground Bases in the New World Order." Now, that's how I've seen Philip Schneider's talk. Um, there are other videos um, available on the internet of his talks, but um, ever since I was in like like 
12 I, in, in seventh grade. I, I remember seeing this dude on YouTube and being like scared by him because he honestly looked like a fucking alien. And it was just kind of terrifying at the very, you know, it, I just stayed away from that video until I was like 17 or 18. And and um, I, that's when I truly like uh, absorbed that information. And he, he really has like a, an honestly frightening vision of America to tell. Yeah, he certainly says a lot of frightening weird shit. Um do you do you can you tell us like cuz I'm sorry, edit point. Can can you tell us like cuz I know when you were looking it up on YouTube, it was a little bit difficult to find. Can you lead at least for our for our audience who wants to listen to it? like tell them how you got to his videos or who's or what channel they're on um i i could i could pull it up on my phone right now actually um so essentially and this is a this is like a broader thing i've noticed on youtube um it's it's i i have essentially found his video in a long form when i was very young um but that those long form type of Philip Schneider videos don't really exist anymore. They're, they're kind of on this. I've really only found them on this one YouTube channel called Cosbean, C-O-C-O-Z-B-E-I-N-G. Um, that has most of his, uh, at least the two that I've seen um, of his talks split up into like 15 minute segments. Um, it, it's it's kind of strange. Um, I've, I've just noticed lots of like, you know, UFO alien videos, sort of like, I guess, conspiratory type videos that are have essentially either been scrubbed from like the internet or are just like extremely hard to find like um uh for example uh, the the video which speaks about his death was unlisted for several years and was recently like put out on a playlist of unlisted videos which i i recently just found so why do you think that is why do you think they're like scrubbing this stuff um i think it's i i don't know i mean there's so many angles you can approach this from um there's because this video, this 96 Preparedness Expo VHS tape recording is extremely strange. Um, I, you, could, you could look at it from a broader stroke as, um, you know, scrubbing, you know, actual information about these things off the web to, to keep, you know, sort of like thought control. Um, but you could also just see it as, you know, some random copyright strike or something. It's YouTube is very strange with that sort of thing. But I, you know, with my many, I guess, a decade of like looking at these sort of like conspiracy UFO type of videos, um, it's usually the pertinent ones that I can't find anymore. And that's kind of frightening. Um, but uh, you could, like I said, I, I recently just, you know, found this this youtube channel that that split them up so so perfectly really um some of the things that philip schneider talks about is um being involved with uh developing uh, essentially essentially he apparently co-invented methods used to 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 facilitate the building of underground military bases as well as submarine bases now um i'm not a scientist or anything but to my understanding, and, and you know, he's he's not the most eloquent of speakers, but he explains that he essentially helped, you know, you he helped uh, to co-invent methods to explode, you know, these big underground spaces that would become bases. That's as pretty much like my unscientific explanation of it. Um, uh, because he w- he was a geologist by by trade, right? Yeah, he he's uh, he's he was he he worked 17 years in the in the black ops projects. He says he was a government geologist and he was he specialized in, you know, like, um, you know, learn about crystal systems and, you know, mineral shit. I'm not a not a geologist. I can't really claim any information to that. But he was pretty much like the rock guy. And he it's it's extremely strange um, because some of his information um it, it's it's kind of all over the place, so it's kind of hard to know what he knows and what he doesn't know at certain points. Well, this kind of tracks, though, because two of the paranormal and ufologist people that I respect the most are Greg and Dana Newkirk, and that's because they approach their shit with, like, such integrity, and they, like, really look into things, and I, I feel like they don't overly sensationalize stuff. And they went to Brown Mountain in North Carolina. And North Carolina Brown Mountain is supposedly rumored to be 
a former underground military base where aliens were inhabited. So you saying this makes a lot of sense to me in that, like, yeah, like this seems like something that's very probable, um, not only because of what Philip Schneider was saying, but because I have other ufologists and paranormal researchers who look into this type of stuff and like found it to be true. Yeah, there's a there is weirdly like a lot of correlation between like some of the bigger and more well-known um alien cases. There's a correlation between that and caves and a lot of things. It happens happened in Hellier, ha- uh, Brown Mountain happened with uh, the Hopskinville goblins because there's Somerset. There's, you know, old mines down there. Missing 411 a lot of that. And there there's this this uh, image that goes around on the internet that I've seen from time to time. And it's an overlay of U S missing person cases on top of um, the cave system. And they're almost like completely, almost completely like on top of each other. Like eerily so. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, he he mentions that the fact that there's so many missing people, uh, and this is kind of like a jump in the, the narrative, but he essentially posits the fact of the notion that all these missing people that are never found, that are concentrated at these, you know, national parks and, you know, cave systems dotted all over America. He posits that these people are um, basically being uh, used as like food. And um, that's like a grave kind of spooky fucking implication, you know? Um, And it's, it's one of the things that makes his info makes this, this video so outlandish and, um, you know, in, in retrospect, because, you know, you hear that and it's, it's doesn't, you don't want it to be real, but like, it's not like he's giving exactly photographic evidence or, you know, and he's, he's basically just speaking about his experiences and he's claiming to be, I guess I could talk about the Dulce. Okay. So he's claiming to be about, um, he's claiming to be one of three known survivors to the Dulce alien human war. Um, that occurred in the August of 1979 at Dulce, New Mexico, in an underground base. Um, essentially, he was helping them. Um, th- he explained this process where they essentially had to essentially had to bore four giant holes in the ground to 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 get to the you know the underground part of the you know building process. And um, he describes uh, exploding you know underground caverns and shit and. Um, he describes a black soot rising up and essentially they, they stumbled upon an, a, an alien civilization living underground for like all these years. And, and um, he kind of ties this back to the fact that the government has been knowing about the alien question for the better part of, a I guess now it would be like a, about 113 years. Um, he claims that the earliest, um, earliest, you know, written record of the government fucking with aliens was about 1909 in the American South or Southwest um, around the truth and consequences area of New Mexico. He describes this story of army cavalry um, chasing bandits and um, they chased them into some random fucking cave and they started describing flying discs and little gray guys. And, you know, these are, you know, old, old like that's that's a like i said earlier with the, the zimbabwe thing it's like another frame of reference you know living in that time period it's kind of it's kind of hard to to get that you know 1909 context or whatever but they wrote down what they experienced as best as they could and this written account has been in secret archives like ever since didn't he also claim that he killed a couple of them, like five or something? Yeah, he. So he. So he says, "Yes, I killed them. And they're immortal, and they do die." Um, essentially, he was sent down into this. This. Um, this is the Dulce, New Mexico thing again. Um, he was. So they. So they exploded these. This. You know, they they put the explosives in the ground, and all this black soot started coming up, all this dirty air, and um, they kept sending down like um, you know, building materials just to like I guess set them down there. It's kind of it's kind of hard to grasp exactly what they were doing, but they needed a human observer essentially to see like why all this building equipment was 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 coming back up broken and, and damaged essentially. 
So they send him this, you know, a government engineer and he describes um, being put down in a lift elevator. And uh, there was a woman in the audience that he points to and he says about five feet where this lady is, uh, is sitting, there was a, a, an eight foot tall alien gray. Um, he describes um, the stench being worse than the worst garbage can you can imagine. Um, and he describes a, he it's, it's really wild, but he describes the alien, this great tall gray alien just move doing a motion over its chest with its hand. And, um, and, and he, and he was hit with a blue beam and um and apparently he was gutted like a fish that's how he described it and he claims that a black beret saved his life and later died that day and you know this is the this is one of those things in his story where it's such a massive hole because he claims to be a survivor of this alien human war yet he only describes um you know a a really really quick moment of it um he claims that 66 government workers lost their lives that day and um he's the he was apparently the only one at the time speaking about it the other two were holed up in nursing homes in canada i believe and um they apparently the canadian government wasn't allowing him to speak to them for whatever reason because i i think he mentioned that they were afraid of him kidnapping them something like that yeah, that that's one of the things where he starts making these claims that to me like like I, like I said we discussed it the other night when we were watching it but to me he just sets off my BS detector so much because like he he will just offhandedly mention that he got shot and then never goes back to that. He he kind of mentions that he was gutted like a fish but like here he is, you know, alive and well. Yeah, and 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 um I, a page mentioned this when she first saw it for the first time. I mean, he's missing fingers on his hand. And from what he described, it was some sort of, um, it was some sort of telepathic energy attack that, that, that um, gutted him like a fish. He's missing fingers on his hand. Um, I don't, that is I, something, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't handle firearms, but he described himself shooting at the alien in the midst of this right before he was hit with this blue beam. And um, I don't know. It just seems like it, you know, from a non-gun user standpoint, I guess that would look like what somebody's hand, you know, would look like if you were to cut off the fingers on the trigger. I, again, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to use guns. Um, Paige described it way better than I could. That's what got me the most about this testimony is the fact that he was missing his two middle fingers, his ring finger and his middle finger. And like, if you're hurting yourself those are two fingers that are really hard to cut off on your own like they look like they were kind of and the video is grainy like but they look like it would have to be laser precision to like i don't know how you would cut those two fingers without if you were going to do it yourself without hurting the other fingers and that's what was like kind of convincing to me was the way he was holding it and like the way that he was showing it it looked like a really clean cut and um i don't know like he talks about being opened up like a fish and then close but that is weird but like also if this really happened couldn't these aliens psychically manipulate him i don't know like would he know the difference between what's real and what's not maybe the reason he doesn't describe a lot of things and i'm just playing devil's advocate here like i'm not gonna say everything he says is law here but like wouldn't they be able to kind of mess with his head a little bit? And also we need to talk about what happened to him as well. So I'm sorry. I'm just, this is just really intriguing to me. And I, I, we have so much to talk about with this thing. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's a very uh, expansive story Um, in regards to let's, let's start with the graininess. I agree that the video is grainy as hell and it's, it's basically a VHS tape just ripped on to like a computer. And, and um, in, in relation to that, he also, he also has apparently artifacts like alien metals. Like he claims to have like pictures, like he showed up a picture of, um, 
the uh you know bikini atoll uh nuclear test and the ufo being there and like we we can't see that it's 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 obviously too grainy you know i've seen um clips of a higher quality of the video but i haven't i've never been able to find a higher definition video besides the one that's on the, the aforementioned youtube channel um it, it, you know with the philip schneider thing like he just gets into so much and and he it's it's almost like he's drowning in information and i guess something that adds realism to his to his story is that you know i don't i don't know many scientists who have like you know public speaking degrees you know i'm not i don't know many scientists at all but it it's you know from a you know just as a writer it's a it's realistic for somebody to you know kind of stumble with their words if if their main arena is like something like science like i don't it, that's what adds credibility to his story like we mentioned the hank hill thing like he's he's very earnest with his information um and he relays it as best as as best as he probably could at the time um but it's it's it just presents a dilemma because the information is just so messily presented like it, it frustrated the fuck out of jordan when he heard it the first time and i i do understand like it, it's, it's a mess it, it really is a mess it's it's so hard to take in all at once but he was only given like an hour at these at this conference you know and he's talking shit about people that didn't want to stay for it and um there's so many elements to his tale um I, I guess the next part to go into is he, he basically claims that his father also worked in the government black ops. Um, he presents a picture of his father with this um, strange fellow named Val Valiant Thor. Okay, okay that's, that's what I was going to bring up. Because, because Val, Val Valiant Thor, Thor shows up in other stories of other people. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of him a bunch. Yeah, that's it's one of those like, you know, weird synchronicities with these things that kind of lend credibility to some information. Um, so I, he didn't really get into the Val Valiant Thor thing. I mean, he, he just described that he was a humanoid alien. He was one of the a two or three benevolent races of aliens. Um, and, and Val Valiant Thor is basically being held under duress to like help the government. Um, he's, he's talked about, you know, his, his anatomy, you know, having one large, long, like a, an oversized heart, a brain capacity of 30 centimeters, like 300 centimeters larger than ours. So his IQ was way bigger. That's something that I, I, you know, you've heard it in other, in other instances, but it's very, that's one of the more fantastical elements of the story. Um, especially with like him not, I don't want to say inserting, but you know, it's very, it's, I, I don't know, maybe the government black ops shit runs in the family, but it's, 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 it seems like, um, that's another element that makes it so hard to believe that, that his father was also involved in this. And, um, just moving on a little bit, um, he, he essentially mentions something called the Griotta Treaty. And this, this was apparently, um, a treaty between the U.S. government and, all I, I believe it was the alien greys he referred them to that that was involved specifically with the treaty and um you know just kind of breezing through it the treaty was essentially an agreement that uh you know the u.s government would receive so much technology and knowledge and what have you and you know you the aliens you greys could have you know so many people and you can have you know a few heads of cattle so that that leads back into all the missing person reports yeah, pretty much. Um, he he really posits this terrifying notion that people are just being summarily eaten underground by these alien races. He describes a, a, eleven alien races, um, and nine of them are malevolent. and And essentially, this is another aspect of it that's extremely weird to me. Um, essentially, he he mentions adrenochrome, and he mentions that essentially these aliens like see us they get high off our adrenochrome. Now, I don't know if the audience knows anything about adrenochrome, but it's, it's lately been a, sort of a right wing conspiracy. And this like preparedness expo was definitely, you know, a Patriot mili you know, militia type of event. And uh, certain things he mentions um, certainly speaks to his conservativeness. Um, he, but he does mention that, you know, things like, um, all religions have a place in America. And, um, you know, he, he has no hatred towards 
anybody, but it, I don't know. The thing he said about Janet Reno, like it's just so like so outlandishly '90s conservative that it kind of puts puts a damper on most of everything he says. Um, yeah, his credibility is definitely something that should be questioned, as with anybody's credibility with stuff like this. However, I think it's even because of those things. Like, he is so unpolished. He is so, um, so much of, like, a flood of information. He is so still rooted in his own politics. Like, in a weird way, that kind of makes him more convincing. And, like, I think we talked about this when we watched it. But when he mentioned Adrenochrome and we talked about how QAnon uses that idea of Adrenochrome. And for those of you that don't know what Adrenochrome is, it's this crazy theory that, the fear glands and like the adrenaline is used to harvest and be, you know, it's consumed by um, lately like crazy Hollywood elites, you know, to keep them young or something like that. Um, But it could have come from that time period when he said that, I don't know where this idea of adrenochrome came from. I don't know where it originated. Like, and I don't know if he was the first one to talk about it publicly or if it was someone before him, but it's interesting that he brings that up and like the treaty that you were talking about totally blew my mind because there is that story of which, which president was it? I think it was Eisenhower. Eisenhower reading that debrief or having a debriefing or whatever. And then coming out and just sobbing, crying And it. They think it had to do with aliens. So like, I don't know. It's just, it all seems to kind of line up in a weird way to me. And maybe it's because I want to believe so bad. But I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's, like I said, there's so many moving parts to this story because you could look at it as, you know, just some conservative nut, you know, just he talks a lot about gun control and, you know, um, there's so many things that, that sap the, you know, the concreteness of his story, an already outlandish story. Um, Just moving on a little bit. He, he mentions that, um, uh, he mentions the black budget. This is something that um, Stephen Greer mentioned, right, Paige? Um, it, this is he, he mentions that these underground bases swallowed up five hundred billion dollars a year. Um, you know, taking a lot of away from the gross national product. I believe um, he he essentially paints a picture that the military has been using alien technology to develop, you know, stealth craft and other things that we don't even know about for the better part of like a hundred something years. And um, that's, you know, we, every couple years, it seems like we get, you know, something, some sort of new technology that, you know, a decade or two ago would, would have seemed like basically impossible. So he's, he posits that we're being drip fed technology that originates from aliens like every so often. Yeah. With uh, the whole budget thing, I don't know the exact number, but there is, it, it, there is pretty famously like a ridiculous number, a ridiculous amount in the billions uh, amount of money that is, you know, allocated to these government agencies that that is not accounted for. They're spending it, but they cannot tell you like for what, you know? Well, Greer talks about that in his videos. Like if you watch it, he talks about how he knew that there are these, black ops agencies that are unchecked by the government. Congress doesn't know about them. The president doesn't know about them and that they're the ones who are heading up these alien technologies and all of this stealth stuff. And what you were saying makes sense because I remember watching stuff on Roswell, reading stuff on Roswell. We get cellophane right after Roswell. We get fiber optics right after Roswell. Our technology increases at an extremely rapid pace you can trace it back to Roswell. And I'm not trying to sound like a crazy nut here, but like it makes sense. Some of it just makes sense. Yeah. And the fact that he's saying that we're being drip fed makes sense as well, because they're going to have to control it. And if you think about capitalism, not to get on the communist rant, but if you think about how capitalism works, like that makes sense if there's like some grand design to drip feed um this technology and kind of engineer it and tailor it for our dependence on fossil fuels our dependence on um whatever whoever's controlling the development of these technologies and schneider does have 
with him in the video. And I wasn't there, obviously, so I don't know how legit that stuff was. But he has pieces of metal that is supposedly heavier than titanium. And titanium is like one of the strongest materials that we have. And he says it's heavier than titanium. Yeah, it, it's definitely like a had to have been there sort of moment because we, we, again, we have no idea if this was actually like, if we have no idea what that material was. Um, he, I believe part of the video was like a Q&A section where people ask him questions. They, they come up and touch the materials and such. Um, but, but, you know, just like Paige said, there's, there's no way that we could ever, you know, uh, you know, validate this information because he was apparently fucking with some very secret, secret things and he had a level three uh, a level three security clearance in the government he called it rhyolite 38 um i've never heard of that besides this philip schneider thing so when when he has like these supposedly alien materials is he is he like passing them around because yeah, I, I can, can just, just imagine him be like please give back my super secret alien stuff don't <laughs> take that I mean, yeah, basically, uh, he, he, he says, you know, you could touch them, but don't, don't, you know, you could handle them, but don't like take them. And oh, um, Lord, please don't take my, please don't take my alien rocks. Essentially. Yes. And, um, it, you know, there's no way to ever touch that with our actual hands. Um, I kind of want to get into what happened to Philip Schneider now. Um, you know, in, in this talk, this 96 Preparedness Expo talk that is on YouTube, he mentions that um, he shot a federal agent like dead. He mentions that he was just shot like weeks ago. He has like this sort of like really like, you know, key and daggers sort of, uh, you know, like detective thing going on. Um, he claims that a retired FBI agent was helping him somehow. He doesn't really get into the extent of what their relationship was. Um but essentially he was being pursued by government agents constantly. He mentions that his wife was recently threatened by federal agents. Like they're trying to like kidnap his fucking kid. He, he tells the story of how his wife pointed a gun at a federal agent and said that if I ever see you again, I'm going to shoot you dead. Um, you're an abuser of children. You should not be suffered to live. And that's, um, that's some like really wild. That's a, that's a really wild story you know what i mean to shoot at a federal agent and not get in trouble i mean i mean you know he could have it's and he shows the 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 bullet wound as well and he's very you know he doesn't want to gore out the woman in the audience it's it you know it's it lends a weird sort of realism to it this is to see his like you know his you know his chopped up hand from the the alien attack the the bullet wound on his shoulder um, he claimed that he basically got cancer from, from going down there, working with these alien materials, not the ones that he was showing people, but, um, I believe that, you know, whatever, you know, these aliens, he, he mentions that these aliens have, we on earth, you know, have like bacteria and germs that are just deadly to aliens. And so most of them are in like, you know. Uh, you guess you would call them radiation suits. Um, he also mentions that a lot of the bacteria on these aliens are like dangerous to us as well. And he, he kind of mentions, you know, weird designer diseases. I believe that was, you know, a term for things like AIDS and Ebola back in the day. Um, yeah, back he, in he claims that like AIDS and all that was like made up by uh, aliens or came from aliens. Yeah, I'm, I'm again. I'm, I'm not a scientist. Like I don't know anything about that, but I do know of a of a previous you know work of literature, "Behold a Pale Horse," that posits that exact same idea, um, but that the government you know engineered it and like to exterminate like uh, people of color and like homosexuals and stuff. That's just one of the weird synchronicities he has with like other conspiracies and people who write conspiracy books. Um, getting back to to what happened to Philip Schneider, so. He was he was found dead in his hotel room with the with the shotgun wound, uh, you know, a gunshot to the head. Um, it's it's like a classic conspiracy theorist death. Essentially, he got suicided. Um, his wife claims that it was because of his work with government, you know, agents and you know, it, it, you know, with the alien thing. It's he's he's for sure dead. He is not living anymore. It's just you know the circumstances around his death are kind of shrouded in mystery um you know it's it's so easy it's so easy to to you know go with 
the story that he was like murdered by the government or something. It, it's so easy to posit that because of the things he was talking about, the frequency with he, which was he, he was saying them. He was going to lots of expos, lots of like, you know, shows. And um, he was very optimistic about getting his message out there. And, but you know, he'll, he'll never get a chance now because he's fucking dead. It's always really interesting to me when these people end up killing themselves. Um, and the interesting thing about that too is that wasn't someone else dead in his hotel room with him at, at having also supposedly killed himself? No. Oh, oh I thought I that thought it was like the person he was. That was that was my mistake. That's it was it was a it was like a video of them together, but they weren't in the same hotel room together. They they just they just like frequented the same circles. Um, Yeah, that really blows my mind, the fact that he supposedly killed himself after saying all this. And he was very adamant. This Here's the other thing about it. He's very, very adamant in his videos that he has made this his mission to go everywhere and tell this story. And he is so adamant that we're losing control of our country and of our planet and, like, the government has been lying to us and that's treason and they should be tried for it. And the fact that he's so adamant about it and he talks about his mission of like going from place to place kind of lends credence to the fact that if he, um, if he is, you know, if he did kill himself, why would he kill himself if he had such a clear life's mission? You know, like I almost wonder, is that really what happened? And uh, it's just it's it's just a very compelling case. Um, and like I said, there's so many moving parts. You could think of it as you know a government psyop. You know, kind of um, you know discrediting militia movements, perhaps discrediting conservatives. You know, he was very adamant about gun control in his talk. Um, but like you said, Paige, he was very earnest. There was a very real urgency to the things he was saying, almost like he completely believed them. And he he never he never claimed um, he never wanted anybody to believe him in total. He he stressed that he wanted people to research and do their own you know do their own you know education about the sort of the sort of thing like look up the congressional record, um, things like that. He was very adamant that he he understood the extremity of believing him, you know, the outlandishness of his tale. Um, he was kind of playing devil's advocate for himself. Yeah. Uh, for all, for all the things that he has to say and like my thoughts on his credibility and how full of shit he is, like he, at the very least believed what he was saying. And that says, I believe that he believed it. And that's, that's something as from where I'm from from where I'm standing. I feel like I believe what he's saying. Like, I kind of buy it. I don't know if I buy 100% of it, but I do buy that he was a geologist. He built underground bases. He knew about alien life forms. Like, you just don't... This, this also lines up... It just lines up too much with other things. Like, John Keel. John Keel wrote the Mothman Prophecies. If you haven't checked that out, check that out. John Keel was a completely sane man. He was a boots-on-the-ground journalist. This is the 1950s. There was no internet. There was no way for him to get this convoluted. He went and interviewed so many people about what happened in Point Pleasant and beyond. And John Keel says he believes that whatever's going on here is interterrestrial not extraterrestrial, meaning that it's inside our earth, that it's inside our earth hiding and that it's been here for a long time. And like what Philip Schneider's saying about digging so deep down there, running into these people, like, or these aliens, I guess, that lines up with John Keel. That lines up with a lot of shit Stephen Greer says. That lines up with the Newkirks. Like, all the ufologists and people that run in these circles and have been running in these circles for decades, they have things that just line up and they're completely separated. And a lot of them hate each other or don't agree with one another. Like I know that the new Kirks don't like Stephen Greer. I know that, but yet it all ends up lining up, which is too coincidental for me. I don't believe in coincidences, especially when it comes to stuff like this. 
Yeah, he didn't believe in coincidences either. He claimed that they were not mathematically provable, and I am inclined to agree with that completely. Um, going back to what Jordan mentioned earlier, um, you know, the synchronicity between so many missing people in these very specific places. Philip Schneider said that there was about, at least in 1996, there were 131 active deep underground bases in America. He claimed there were 1,477 worldwide at that point where he was standing. Um, you know, all, all these synchronicities with, you know, you know, the Hopskinville case and the Somerset case, you know, all these all these weird stories throughout the country and around the world of under people living underground, things living underground, people disappearing underground. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to believe, but I do believe there is something weird going on underground. If there's so many so many stories that that almost line up together philip schneider just is another piece to that particular puzzle you know and um he he, he mentions that um you know ever since 1979 that all the world governments and the world militaries have been in constant conflict with these aliens underground um, he claims that 66 government workers lost their lives at the Dulce, New Mexico, alien-human war. But it, from what he was saying, essentially, this, the alien-human war has never ended. Um, you know, you see all these people disappearing, all these, you know, conflicts throughout the world. Paige mentioned that Stephen Greer posits that um, they want to concoct a false flag attack by, you know, yeah. there's so many there's so many synchronicities between stories like this. It it's oddly it oddly makes sense at the end of the day when you line it all up you just can't ignore that you just can't ignore it when you line it all up it's it makes too much sense in my opinion and maybe that's because i want to believe it so bad i want to see an alien in a ufo so bad yeah, but i sure don't <laughs> jordan does not I, I do um but I don't know. I just, when we talk about all these things and we lay it out and like, we could probably go on for hours and we'll probably do more episodes on this specific topic just because there's so much information about it and we're always learning new things. But like, when you look at all the synchronicities, you look at all the ways that these different people from very different backgrounds with very different beliefs and methodologies, like all like pieces of their stories kind of line up it all like, comes together it really does and you can't ignore that and that's 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 my bottom line on, on this whole thing period well all right uh listeners i hope that you're still on our side after listening to us rant about aliens and cave bases for an hour Please don't think we're crazy. I mean, actually, I don't care if you think we're crazy. We are crazy. We're definitely a little bit crazy. That's just what they want you to think. <laughs> but I have a feeling you guys might be crazy, too, if you're listening to this to begin with. But uh, I think we're getting ready to sign off. But before we go. Oh, yeah. You can hit me up on Nocturne underscore spring. That's Nocturne, N-O-C-T-U-R-N-E underscore spring. On Instagram, that's where I post my poetry and my writing. Yeah, and you should follow us on Instagram, too. We are at whispers underscore through underscore the underscore veil, which is ridiculous, but that is what it is. Um, and we would love to hear your stories. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please, please, please. please. We're begging you to yeah. interact with us. Do you, do you have stories for us? Uh, do you hate the sound of my voice? Do you do you also think that Philip Schneider is a big old weirdo? Uh, please tell us. Just uh, tell us. Yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on. We really enjoyed having you. Thank you so much for having me anytime. Okay, well, until next time, everybody, have fun. Be careful. <laughs>